You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. Glad that you are here with us. Uh, once again, welcome, and I hope that you will continue to worship the Lord. And as we hear what the Lord has to say to us, that God will speak to you. And as we prayed, you know, before we started the service, you know, among those who are serving today, we pray that, you know, every Sunday we come, we want to go back energized. We want to go back filled, you know, uh, with God's message, grace, and His, His kindness, His, His, His love for us, so that we are energized and we are empowered to live throughout the week, all right? And you are blessed if you are, you are, because you are here today because we are in the midst of this sermon series called Entirely New. Today is the second uh, sermon because last week we had the bilingual. So for those of you who were there two Sundays ago, okay, you didn't miss anything, all right? So this, today is the second one. And if you remember, uh, we basically talk about you know, Jesus, when Jesus came on earth, he kind of put an end to the so-called the temple system or the temple model and introduced one that is entirely new, right? And we said that, you know, in the temple system, you will usually find there are four features that, you know, we went through, if you can remember, all right? There's a test. Don't flip through your notes if you, have, if you are writing it down for those of you who like to write. You know, in the temple system, there are at least four things you will find. Number one, holy. Place, good, holy. Teachers, whoa. holy texts. And who, who interpret the holy text? Holy? Men. <laughs> ah, see, that's right. Maybe I should just preach again the same sermon that I, you know. <laughs> and of course, finally, you have the holy followers, right? So in every temple system, not only in the Jewish uh, temple system, but it, it's across all over the world, any religion that you find, these are the four components that somehow you will find in the temple system. There will be always this holy place because a, a temple is built in a sanctified, dedicated, you know, place uh, that they will call it a sacred and a holy place. And so you got to be, you got to go there because God is there. You see, because it's a holy place. God is the, in the holy mountain. God is in the holy place. So that's the whole concept. And then in the holy place, you will always have some kind of a document that is called holy text because there's some kind of document, there's some kind of inscription by God given to the people, but this holy text or holy inscription is given, but not for the people to read and interpret by themselves, but some kind of somehow the holy man. And if you realize in the whole structure of the temple system, you would find that it's usually man who does the interpretation in the temple system. It's not woman, it's, all, it's always, it's always most of the time, it's men. So you will find the holy men doing the interpretation and telling you what to do, what not to do, and then finally you will find the holy 
followers or the hardworking followers trying to like, okay, we heard this and we got to go back and do, all right? So that's this kind of the system uh, behind the temple. And, and then when Jesus came, he put an end to that system and introduced one that is entirely, entirely new. And as a result of that, as a result of Jesus coming and introducing a totally, entirely new system, we had new movement, new meaning, new significance, a new way of life, right? Because Jesus came and put an end to the old system, he introduced an entirely new system. And because of that, we have new movement called the ecclesia, called the church, which is actually not a good translation of the word ecclesia, but anyway, we'll stick to that. As long as we know the meaning, ecclesia doesn't mean a place, but it means a people, a congregation, God's chosen people. Entirely new meaning to the text. Entirely new significance of the Passover and so on and so forth, an entirely new meaning of way of life in Jesus Christ. So that was the thing that Jesus did when he came. And guess what? All the Gentiles were so attracted to this new way of life. I mean, who wouldn't come to think of it? Because guess what? Their pagan religious way of life doesn't work anyway. And so when they heard this new movement that Jesus created, they were so attracted and they want to be a part of it. In fact, many Gentiles became a part, joined the Jesus movement, but there was a significant problem and the problem was this, the Jews, <laughs> the Jews tried to blend Jesus into the temple system. That was the problem. Now, come to think of it, I mean, it's kind of understandable, isn't it? I mean, just imagine for the longest time they have been thinking that this is the way to go, the temple system is the way to go, and all of a sudden, Jesus arrived, Jesus came and said, the end. It's like, what? That's it? No structure? Nothing? Huh? You know, all habits die hard. Amen? No, not amen. Okay, yes, it's not a good thing. Yes, I know. <laughs> but uh, truth be spoken, yes, it's, it, that is the case. And, and so the Jews were not comfortable to kind of totally abandon the whole temple system. That was the problem. That was the tension going around in the first century Christians. Now, the, Jew, the Jews were, were, were not comfortable to totally abandon even though they believe in Jesus, remember? They already accepted Jesus as the Messiah. They believe that he is the savior of the world, that he have been, they have been waiting for Jesus, and they have finally acknowledged him. But at the same time, they have not totally abandoned the old system, the temple system, the temple thinking. That was the problem. And guess what? Because of that, this is the huge problem here. The Jewish Christians insisted that the Gentiles must what? convert, become, they must become a Jew to join the Jesus movement. Oh, for us, we may think, what's the big deal? Just change, uh, not, not a big deal. If you were at that time, maybe, and if you are a woman, then it's okay. But if you are a man, you are like, you don't know what you are talking about. We got to go through a little surgery, you know or not. You know, it's not anyhow change to Judaism, you know, we, gotta, we men got to go through a certain procedure of surgery. I, I, you bet, I bet you know, I don't have to explain. 
just in case. <laughs> anyway, yes, circumcision, that's what they have to go through. And, and that would mean for them, you know, for the Gentiles, it would mean to go through uh, uh, circumcision for men. And also, they, have, they will be restricted, you know, to eat certain food, you know, and then certain way of life and obey the 600 plus laws and, and so on and so forth. So it was a big, big hindrance to the Gentiles. Because the Jews, they, 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 they couldn't, it was hard for them to abandon the new way. But all of a sudden, somehow God knows and God paved the way. And here comes the undisputed uh, first century apostle by the name called Paul. Nobody can dispute this guy, right? Even the fact that you are Christian is <laughs> because of this guy. Probably you must give credit to this guy who has written uh, the most, most part of the New Testament. Now, the Apostle Paul, we know him Paul, but if you know that when, when, when history started in the page of history, he appeared as Saul of Tarsus, remember? And Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus was a Pharisee. In fact, Saul, who is Paul, Saul claimed that he's the best Pharisee, that he can out, just outsmart. He can just, he can just beat anyone uh, in terms of Pharisee. He was like the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he was really on the, out, uh, venturing out to really like, you know, uh, uh, so-called eradicate, you know, just, just wipe off the so-called the Jesus movement. It's like, God, I got this. These people, the temple system, they are trying to get rid of this temple system. You know, I am going to make sure that they are going to be wiped off from the, you know, from the planet Earth. And Paul was, he was almost successful. Do you know that? He was almost successful. One day, on, but you know, on his way to Damascus, Jesus met him. And from Saul, he became to Paul because he became follower of Jesus Christ. And guess what? As, he, as his eyes were open, as his minds and his heart were open, and as he restudied the text, he finally got it. He understood that in, in the light of Jesus, everything changes. That in Jesus, everything becomes entirely new. And Paul got it. And so Paul came in the first century and he went around making those corrections. And Paul, for Paul, it was a big deal because for the Jews to, to kind of blend Jesus into the old system, it was a huge mistake. Now, many, many Jewish Christians at that time, they, they thought that it was nothing. The, the Jewish Christians at that time probably told Paul, Paul, you are new. You got to learn a bit more. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's just about converting to Judaism. It's just a little surgery. Hello. Jesus died for them. Can't they just go through a little of a pit pain? I mean, come on, Jesus went through the extreme pain for them. And for them to go through a little bit of pain for circumcision, come on, it's no big deal. And it's just a change of tradition. Why, Why make a big fuss over this one? And Paul said, no, it's a big, big, big deal. Because you don't know the consequence of what it's going to lead to. It is not just a mixing. It is not just a tradition. It is not just a bit of the old system. That's perfectly fine. No, you don't know the consequence because Paul said there is a great danger and the danger is that it will dilute, 
it will confuse and it will corrupt the gospel of Jesus. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what Paul is going to go after. So Paul writes a letter to this church in Galatia. In, uh, in one of his missionary journeys, Paul uh, established a little ecclesia in Galatia. And he has, he has been there. He established them. He taught them about Jesus' way. And he came back. And after some time, after some years, he was reported that some Jewish Christians came to Galatia and they taught otherwise. So the Jewish Christians basically were telling the Galatian believers that, oh no, you got to become a Jew. You got to be circumcised. You got to obey the law. You got to do this. You got to do that. To be able to be accepted by Jesus, to become a Christian, to become a follower, to be accepted by God. So that was the thing. Now, Paul, when he, when he heard that, he, he, he kind of like went mad. It was a big deal for him. And so Paul writes to the Galatian, and that one we will find in chapter 5. So let me go through a few verses here and to see the intensity and the seriousness of what Paul is going to reveal. And I tell you, I'm warning you, I'm sure Galatians 5 is a text that you have read, but I hope that today as we read through, you will see in a different light because this passage is quite crazy. It's Paul is really harsh, okay? So from there, you know that how big uh, this deal, uh, how big a deal is this, all right? So now, here we go. <clears throat> Galatians chapter five, verse one. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, take note. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So in other words, if you have a version of Christianity, if you call yourself a Christian, you know, I believe most of us here are Christians. But in some ways, somehow, if you feel that being a Christian, uh, you don't have the freedom, you feel very restricted. You feel very legalistic about the way you live. Oh, Christians, we are not supposed to do that. Oh, we are not supposed to. We are not supposed to. If your Christianity is all about cannot, 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 it's can, cannot, can, cannot, rules, you can do this, you cannot do this, it's all about that, then your version of Christianity is something that you need to re-examine, especially through the letters of Paul. Because Paul said it is for freedom that Christ says, guys, if you are in Christ, you have the freedom. So, that's the first thing. So, right? So, stand firm, therefore, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You are already freed. Don't yoke yourself again with the law, that you have to do that, you don't have to do that, law abiding. We are, Christianity is not a law abiding religion. No, you heard that, I said it before. And Paul goes on and says, mark my words, I, Paul, I, Paul, tell you. I mean, just imagine, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you. You know, the, the, his language is like, you, just, you could have just said, you know, if you are, he could have just gone straight to the point, but the way he's saying, you can see how mad he was. And he says that if you let yourself be circumcised, then Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, you are so on that you are telling the, Jew, the, the, the Gentiles in Galatia to be circumcised. 
And, 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 and he's telling the Galatian Christians, especially the Gentiles, and you are about to give in, I'm telling you, if you are circumcised, if you go ahead with circumcision, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Because Christ came to do away. Christ came to fulfill. And you are saying that Christ has not done yet? It's as if you are saying that Christ has not completed. Christ has not fulfilled, so let me help Christ. And so Paul is very straightforward. If you let yourself be circumcised, I am telling you, hear my words, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Then he goes on again, I declare to you every man who lets himself be circumcised. Now, listen to this one. Christ will be of no value to you at all if you let yourself be circumcised. Now, some, some people at that time may think, well, Paul, come on, relax. You don't have to be so angry. It's just circumcision, that's all. We are not asking anything else. It's just circumcision for them to identify to, with us. I mean, come on, Jesus was also a Jew, isn't that right? So for them to associate to the culture, to the race that Jesus belongs to, I mean, come on, what's the big deal in that, right? But guess what? Paul knows that if you are circumcised, it's not just about circumcision, but if you're circumcised, then it's not just about circumcision, but you become obligated to obey the whole Low, the Old Testament. That's what he means. If you let yourself be circumcised, then he's obligated to obey the whole law. And so, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated, separated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, many of us, I believe, have read this one, but I, I don't know whether you have felt what Paul was trying to say here. Just imagine what Paul is simply saying is this. For those of you who are trying to be justified by adding on, you say that Jesus is not enough, so you are just a little bit of that, it's okay. A little bit of the law, a little bit of circumcision, that's fine. Come on, Paul. But a little bit of this, once you add in to the new movement in Jesus, the reality is the moment you say that it's just circumcision, that's fine, that's okay, that's it. But the moment you put a little bit into this new system, that is the moment you are separated from Christ. I mean, come on. It's like I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the Messiah. And I'm just putting in circumcision. That's no big deal, Paul. Paul is saying, no, it's a big deal because the reality I'm telling you is once you put circumcision, First thing is you have to obey the whole law. Second thing is you are already, without you no realizing it, separated, alienated from Christ. You have fallen away. Now, this is a big, big issue, isn't it? I mean, come on, if I were to come and tell you, Gary, you have fallen away from the grace. There you go, GG, good game. Now, let me illustrate. I heard this illustration and I thought it was quite interesting. Say after the service, um, some of you come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor Ian, we are, I'm very appreciative of what you are doing for all these years and uh, want to just appreciate a token of acknowledgement for what you are doing. And I want to give you this uh, gift voucher um, 
of $100. So you give me a gift voucher of $100, and I say, oh, no, please don't do that. It's paise, paise, don't do that, please, you know. And then you insist, no, 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 this is just a token of appreciation. It's a $100 gift, uh, gift voucher. And I say, okay, okay, you know what? Okay, how about this? I give you $50. And then he said, no, come on, it's a gift for you. And I insist, no, 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 but you cannot do that. Okay, how about $25? And you still say, no, come on, it's a gift for you. Just take it. And I say, okay, fine, fine, fine. But let me do this at least. At least let me give you at least $10. And you say, all right, fine, give me $10. And you take $10 from me. You know what happens? At that moment, that gift is no more a gift. That gift card, I have taken away the gift out of that card. It has become simply a discounted gift card. How much percent? How many percent? 90% discount card. It's no more a gift. And that's what Paul is saying. You may say that it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. It's okay. It's just a little bit. You know, for those of you who watch, uh, what was that? I forgot that name. Uh, skid guys, you know, there's a drama, you know, a little bit, a little bit, you know, the poo-poo thing kind of thing. Okay, if you don't know, you just go and <laughs> Google it. You come, you come find me, I will tell you. But it's a little bit, but it's a little bit of that, the circumcision and other law, putting the old system back into the new. You disqualify yourself from the grace. You fall away from the grace. It, grace becomes no more Grace. The moment you try to put in your effort, it becomes a discounted card. And grace, brothers and sisters, remember, grace is the hallmark of Christianity. And once you don't get that, you don't get Christianity. Grace is the hallmark of Christianity. It is not that God found you favorable. It is not that you did something that caught God's attention and you're like, who? Michelle, oh, Michelle, very good girl. Eh? Oh, I, I better save her. No. That, that, there is nothing that you did and I did that, that, that caught God's attention and kind of compelled him to love you and to save you. No. The truth of the matter is that when God sees you and what, when God sees what we have done and who we are, the only thing that God righteously can pour out to us is His wrath, is His judgment. Because that's what we deserve. But despite of that, He poured out the opposite, His love, to the point that He gave His Son. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he let him die. Even when Jesus was crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, most of us here are parents, and you know that. When you see the pain in your children, I have that experience having a boy who is almost accident prone. I have seen him on the, at least on three, four occasions cutting himself on his forehead and the lip and all those and bleeding profusely. It's like, it's crazy. And the most recent one was in, 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 in Kolkata on our way transit. You know, five hours we are supposed to take the flight. And we had an early dinner and we wanted to come and take a nap. 
And as we were getting ready, he was running around, fell and knocked the bed frame and cut upper lip and then upper lip was about to fall off. And I tell you, that was the moment I felt so helpless as a father. I'm like, wow. And I don't care. Late, late then, it's okay, the flight, fly, fly can. But I must bring my son to the hospital. So we were on our way. And I was looking at the time and I was looking at him. He was crying. And, and there was a lot of blood and all those. And I felt so helpless for the first time in my life as a father. And I'm like, wow. What would have it been like for God to watch his son die on the cross? For me, I couldn't do anything. But for God, he could have. He could have poured a rain of acid and just burned the entire world. He could have sent thunderstorm and hails and so and so forth and just... But he didn't. He just let his son die on the cross. Not because you deserve but because of his love for you. That's grace. That's grace. That's the hallmark of Christianity. And, and that's why Paul is mad. Paul is like, no, it's not just a little bit. It is not just okay. It is not small deal. It's a big deal because the consequence of one step of compromise, it's going to lead you to destruction. It's a big deal. Christ has brought everything to entirely new, and if you add it in, add in, then it's gonna be a mess. So that's why, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It doesn't matter circumcision or no circumcision. It, it, there is no 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 difference at all. And guess what? This is one of the reasons why I think. Many churches, even today, unfortunately, have become unnecessarily resistible to the world. Remember in my first sermon, I said, you know, why, why, why are we somehow have become, why, 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 why have we become resistible to the world? You remember, I told you right, you know, uh, why, why many people don't want to be Christian because they haven't met Christians. That's why they don't want to be Christian because they don't know what Christian is to be, you know. And then the second reason is because they have met too many Christians <laughs> who are not living the way that Christ actually has introduced. And that's why. And that's why we have become unnecessarily resistible to the world. And this is the reason because we are adding back the old system into the new system in Jesus Christ. And somehow there's a dilution. There's a confusion. And that leads to the corruption. And at the end of the day, we don't know what we believe. <laughs> we are not sure. What is the main thing? If people ask, what's the difference between Christian and Muslim and all this other religion and no religion, what's the difference? Everybody's wants good for the society, for the good, for the good of mankind. What's the difference? And we don't know, so we don't know how to answer. And then like some worse thing, we're like, hey, it's a good question, you know. Yeah, yeah, what's the difference? Huh? Then I might as well don't believe. Lah. 
That's a scary part. That's what happens once we are not careful to make the new movement stay pure in its purest form, in the newest form, instead of adding in the old system. So, it doesn't matter. Now, here comes. So if you ask Paul, so Paul, what matters then? What is the main thing? What is the thing that counts? What is the thing that, that matters most then? If, 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 if circumcision, if all this temple system has no value, then what is it? And Paul tells us the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is, guess what? It's not like there are so many things like 600 plus, you know, laws and then all this, you have to do this, 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 this. No, 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 no. Forget about those things. The only thing that you should be concerned of, the only thing that you must be focused on, the only thing that matters, the only thing that has value, that only thing that matters in the eye of God in this entirely new system is your faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts, the only thing that has value in the whole of Christianity, in the new covenant under Jesus Christ, is not all those performances, is not all those traditions, is not any of the temple system. It is your faith in Jesus that is being expressed. This Greek word expressed simply means working it out or demonstrating, making it visible for people to see. And that is through what? Love. Wow. That's the whole thing. Now in the temple system is basically this. In the temple system, in the temple model is, is like this. You know, your relationship with God is like this. Hey God, how am I doing? Huh? God, how am I doing? Like, you know, I, 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 I gave you the offering, remember? Uh, last month, wow, I gave you 30%, you know? <laughs> is, is that okay? Uh, yeah, God, last week, yeah, I was not, 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 not so nice to this person, but, yeah, you know, but I'm going to give you again, you know, I'm going to serve you. How are we doing, God? Huh? Is, is it okay? You go to the temple, you go before God, and you ask, you evaluate, God, are you angry? God, I hope I'm okay. God, I hope I, I, I made it up for that mistake, for that sin. God, you know, like, huh? I'm sinful. I'm still struggling with that sin. It's okay, right? Because God, anyway, I'm trying to also help out other people. I'm trying to do this, remember, right? So that, that's the temple system. You, you, you always come and evaluate your relationship with God. It's as if like you are not sure whether God is angry or God is really for you. That's the temple system. And guess what? When Paul comes and when Paul explains in this verse, Paul says, no more of that. No more of this. No more. In other words, Paul is saying, quit worrying about what God thinks about you. Quit worrying about whether God loves you, whether God is really for you. Quit. Be anxious about being unsure of whether God really loves me. I mean, guys, listen, if Jesus died for you, then Jesus is for you. If someone dies for you, you can be assured that that person, no matter what, he or she is for you. For a person to die for you, come on. You, have, you don't have to doubt. So, 
Come on, Paul is saying, quit worrying on, on that. Quit thinking about, quit doubting whether God loves you, whether God is for you. In the new system, in the entirely new covenant in Christ Jesus, Christ is for you. God is okay with you. God sent his son to die for you, to redeem you. He is okay with you. Stop looking up and start looking around. God is fine with you. Start looking around the people that you are with. Stop measuring your relationship with God by what you do for Him in the temple and start worrying about your relationship with one another. That's the new system. The only thing that counts. The only thing that is of value is how you treat other people. God is fine with you. You and I need to think of how you and I treat other people because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's your relationship with other people. It's how you treat people. Paul said, you are running a good race and who cut in on you to keep from obeying the truth? Paul is basically saying, I told you all this. But who cut you in? And of course, these are the Jewish Christians who came. See, a little yeast works through the whole bunch of dough. It's like, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of thing. <laughs> They understood this concept. It's, it's a little bit of thing that destroys the whole thing. It's a little, little bit of thing that just destructs the whole batch of the good. As for the, <laughs> this one is crazy. As for those agitators, I wish they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. I don't know whether you understand what he's trying to say, but he's basically saying, cut it out, man. Cut it all the way. If you want to cut anyway, cut everything. You know, because they are going for circumcision and Paul is saying, well, you want to cut for those people, go and cut. Cut it everything instead. And as Paul is like, really, Paul? Are you saying that? It's, that's, that's too much. Come on, Paul. Steady. It's like, I thought you are a follower of Jesus. You cannot say that kind of thing. It's, that's, that's too much. It's no big deal. Paul is saying it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You cannot mix Jesus with all sister. Guess what? Paul knows when you when you mix Jesus with the old system, usually what happens is that leaders in the temple system would become self-righteous. In the temple system, remember, when, when, you, when you are in the old system, when you, put, when you put back the old system into the Jesus movement, when you put back the temple system into the Jesus movement, the leaders, the religious leaders become self-righteous because they are the one who interpret, they are the one who tell people how to live. And they are the people who are pointing fingers, you, Luther, you did not do that, huh? You missed your devotion time right yesterday, huh? You die already, that kind of thing. You just go and condemn and just 
go around. Leaders become self-righteous. And guess what? Leaders, when they do wrong, they will try to hide it. They will try to hide around the text and they will kind of interpret the other way around. Because why? You don't want leaders who are not perfect, right? Who are imperfect. So I got to appear perfect. So leaders would want to appear perfect so that they will be a good example. So they would always put, an up, put a front with people. So they become self-righteous. And when leaders become self-righteous and they kind of hit on, hit on, hit on and say, you must do that, you must do that in order to be accepted, you must do that. What happens for the followers, poor followers, who can live it up to the standard? And so what will happen? The followers will become what? Hypocrites. Why? Because they cannot keep it up. So they also do the same thing. Leaders, they keep to themselves, they hide it behind, behind the text and all those. So that's what followers become. And that's what we see many Christians. You see, People are not against Jesus. People are against the followers of Jesus, right? Because they are hypocrites. It's like, yeah, these Christians, hypocrites. And rightly so. There are many Christians who are hypocrites. And, and, and one of the main reasons is because we have brought in the old system. The temple system is still in the church in some ways. And that's how it's come about. And guess what? Text would be manipulated as well. Because these this religious leaders, they are the ones who are interpreting, they are the ones who are telling what God means and all those, but finally, this is the most important thing, people would be mistreated. People ultimately would be mistreated because it is nothing about, this religion, Christianity, becomes all about how, am I, how, how I am doing and how I appear before others and how I make myself look good with God. And so everything, people who are around, you don't care as long as you make your way through God, to God, to show yourself and to show others. That's what it matters. So ultimately, people will be mistreated, and that's what happens. Next week, I will tell you, after the third century, how we got where we are. And I am telling you, some of you may not feel comfortable of what I'm going to say, but if you are up to the challenge, please come and listen. But you will see in a snapshot why we are where we are, how did the temple system got into our system after the third century and up till now, all right? So people are mistreated, and that's the reason. Uh, last week, I, I, I met up with this lady and uh, struck up with the conversation, and somehow uh, she came to know I was a pastor because I told her I was a pastor and all those, and then somehow she started to say, if you don't mind, can I tell you my story? I said, please, and I got, his, I got her permission to share this uh, story, and she said, you know, she just started to tell me about her disappointment with the Christi Christianity. She was a youth leader. She was serving very actively in the youth ministry and all those in, in one of the churches in the CBD area and all those. And then what happened is that she had an issue, which like almost all of us, we have issues, different kinds of issues in our lives. But somehow her issue became exposed and the leaders came to know, the pastor came to know, and then there you go. She was just torn down. She was, she was asked to leave the ministry and then she was kind of forced the way that they treated her, make her so uncomfortable that she left the church and she said, I'm never going to come back to the church. And when I heard that, I'm like, Ooh. I said, I have nothing to say. I said, I have nothing to say. Well, sin is one thing, but treating others is a totally different thing, isn't it? And that's why we have become unnecessarily resistible to the world. I mean, come on, think of it. In the Christianity, what is there to resist? Please, tell me. 
What is there to resist about Christianity? <laughs> that God loves us even though we are undeserved? Like, not fair, I don't want, really? There's nothing to resist about. But because when we bring back the temple system into the Jesus movement, this is what we end up, people can mistreated. We forget that the main thing, the only thing that counts is our faith in Jesus being expressed, being demonstrated through love. It's not about our vertical relationship. Our vertical relationship is fine. God loves us. God sent his son. You are okay with God. It is with the people around. The only thing that counts is how you treat other people. And so Paul went on to say, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Again, the word free. You are free. But do not use your freedom, of course. Don't take it, don't take it for granted. In, in today's Sunday school, we also talk about the grace of God. The grace of God is like it. It's, it's one of the ma- most amazing concepts we have. We cannot grasp, but it is true. But at the same time, unfortunately, many Christians have also taken it for granted and they indulge the flesh because of the grace. But at the same time, Hebrew also tells us that for those of you who are willfully sinning and taking granted the grace of God, watch out. Watch out. So Paul is saying the same thing. Don't indulge your freedom for the flesh, for yourself. But use your freedom to serve one another. What? In love. That's the whole thing again. And finally, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Oh, it's like what? Just imagine the Jewish Christians hearing this from Paul. Like, Paul? You are the Pharisee of the Pharisees. You should know better. What are you saying? Are you nuts? Uh, Have you gone mad? Entire law is fulfilled in just one command. Come on, what about the 648, blah, blah, blah. I know, I know all this, but I'm telling you if you obey, if you just get this right, you get everything. There you go. Love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? When, when the Jewish Christians hear this one, it's not like, oh, wow, it's a new thing. Wow, it's a new thing. No, it is as old as Leviticus. Because in Leviticus chapter 19, you will find this same command. Love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the rest is commentary. <laughs> And the rest is details of loving God and loving your neighbor. So that's the main thing. Here, Paul is simply saying that's the only thing that counts. And if we get this right, we get everything. That's what I said, right? In the temple system, you rate your relationship with God by what you do for God in the temple. And unfortunately, that's what's happening as well, isn't it? Many Christians... Like we rate our relationship with God based on what we do for God in the church, what we do for God in the mission, what we do for God in the ministries, what, how much we give of our time, of our talent, of our resources, how much we do for God in the church, in the mission work, in the society, how much we do for God. That's the way we read our relationship with God in the temple system. This is the temple model. But in Christ, in the new movement, you read your relationship with God by what you do for other people around you. The only thing that counts is your faith in Jesus that has been expressed through love 
That's it. You don't get that, you don't get any of the Christianity that Jesus has come to establish. The only thing that counts is faith expressing through love. So, as I conclude, I want you to imagine with me. Imagine, my brothers and sisters, what if? What if? Christians, you and I, what if Christians today would decide not to measure our relationship with God by what we do for God in the church, in the mission, in the society? But what if Christians today, all of us, were to measure our relationship with God by what we do for one another, by what we and how we treat one another, the people around us? Imagine with me, what would it look like? Our society, our nation, what would it look like? Imagine if all Christians, all of us, decide from this week, beginning this week, if all of us decide, beginning that, you know what, I'm not going to rate myself, my relationship with God, my spirituality with God, by how much Bible I read every day, by how much I pray every day, by how much I serve in, in, in the church, by how... how how regular I am on Sunday, how regular I am in the service, how long I, I have served in the ministry in church. Imagine what if all of us as Christians would decide not to measure our relationship with God by what all this thing that we regularly do, but by how we, I am going to treat other people around me, people I know, people I don't know. So how about this? How about this week? We tried it out. Imagine, just imagine. I, I think it's, it's quite uh, fascinating to imagine if all of us in your workplace, spread out all over Singapore, if you were to just go around and with this, with this, with this idea that Paul is telling us, you know, yes, you may say, ah, this person I cannot stand because he's a cheater, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't love anyone. He will take advantage of me and all those. But ask this one, but what does Christ's love for me requires of me? Oh, no, no, you don't know this person. This person will never, ever. No, 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 I know, I know. But what does Christ's love for me requires of me? Oh, no, no, but it's, it's legal, it's legal, it's okay. It is okay to do that, it is okay. It's my right, it's my right. They must serve me, they must do this for me. It's my right, how can they? No, 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 I know, I know, you are right, you are right. But ask this one, what does Christ's love for me requires of me? Oh, you don't know, Pastor, what he has done for me. Sorry, what, what he has done to me in the past. Oh, you don't know who he is. You don't know who she is. If you know, I know. I don't know. But just ask this question. What does Christ's love for you requires of you in that particular situation? And see what happens to you. See what happens in that situation. See what happens because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If your faith in Christ, if your belief in what Jesus Christ has done and who he is to you is not expressed, is not demonstrated in your love, in, your, in how you treat one another, how you speak to one another, how you treat strangers and so-called less privileged and high up, whatever, if it doesn't show love in your treatment, then everything is just a waste of time. 
That's basically what Paul is saying, and I hope that's not what will be our case. And as we journey through this sermon series, I hope that we will discover more of what God is trying to impress upon our hearts, and may the Holy Spirit continue to churn our hearts, draw us closer to Him, and enable us to know what He wants us and what is for us, because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Father, I thank you. Empower us in the name of Jesus. Uh, help us to continue to chew and uh, help us to be transformed from the inside out. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a song that I want us to uh, listen to, uh, but there is no time. Okay, so we will uh, send to you in the e-news. Okay, you can listen, okay? But this song is fantastic. You know the title of the song? You don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. You don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. You can just Google it, YouTube, you will find, okay? But we will send you the link in the e-news and enjoy the song because of the time, all right? So, but for now, we will uh, observe the Lord's Supper.